0: With the high absenteeism rates among healthcare workers, running in some organizations as high as 40 percent, we're seeing healthcare professionals working long hours with expanded patient care responsibilities and working under increasingly stressful conditions. According to a recent survey, 56 percent of nurses said that their organization was either slightly or highly ineffective in dealing with nurse burnout, and that was before the COVID-19 pandemic. We know anecdotally how much patients appreciate the care they get from their nurses, but that feedback almost never comes back to the institution, and certainly not on a timely basis. As a result, nurses feel underappreciated and unseen. How can we possibly turn that tide? Hello and welcome to Data Point, the podcast about all the ways that data and analytics are driving innovation in healthcare today. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and our guest today is Alex Corin, the inventor, co-founder, and chief innovation officer of WAMBI. WAMBI is a digital healthcare employee recognition platform that improves patient satisfaction and safety by enabling real-time service recovery, rewarding staff engagement, and increasing patient involvement at the time of their care. The hospitals that are using it love it and are starting to see some enormously promising results. Check out Alex's fascinating story right here on Datapoint.
1: With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on Logistics Insights at maersk.com slash insights.
0: Alex, thanks so much for being with us on Datapoint today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It is a real pleasure to have you. I have been uh, excited about this conversation ever since I learned about some of the work that you're doing. But before we dive specifically into that, I always love to give our listeners a little bit of a sense of who you are. What are some of the things that you can tell us about yourself, some of the milestones, the, the signposts that have led you uh, to where you are today? hmm
1: Yeah. So growing up with both of my parents suffering from chronic illnesses, I learned at a very early age what it means to be vulnerable and putting all of your hope and trust in the people who care for them. And that led me to truly treasure the moment between a patient and a family member and the person who provides that care, You know, whether it be your nurse, your doctor, or the person who creates a nutrition plan when you're malnourished. It's just every moment colors the experience and the recovery process. And those moments really stuck with me throughout the course of my life. And so that led me to serve as a director of patient experience in an inpatient setting and it was during that time that I felt, you know, the data and the statistics that we hear about in healthcare firsthand. And so um, it was pretty shocking, but turnover was incredibly high and mm. engagement was low. And as a result, patient satisfaction scores were suffering. And what was interesting was that I felt a disconnect from the numbers, even though I knew they were true and I heard about them and I heard about them in the industry. I just didn't feel and understand the why. And that was hard. I wanted to understand why. You know, why were people rushing out the door for new jobs at hospitals nearby? And what was the cause for these disturbing figures? And so I thought I would go to the source and ask the people at the heart of the patient experience, the team members, what was going on. And it was through those conversations with uh, these folks that had the biggest impact and that I had the most respect for that I learned that we were really messing up because they didn't feel seen or appreciated for the work that they were doing day in and day out. And what was happening was, you know, patient feedback only rises through the ranks so often. And mm-hmm. when it does, you know, what they were experiencing is that typically one out of 100 moments would be visible or seen or heard by a manager or their manager. Mm-hmm. And typically, it was a not-so-good moment or a negative moment or a constructive opportunity. And we absolutely want to uncover those. But as a result, with managers being as busy as they are and having so much on their plate, when they end up having those conversations with their team members, they're typically colored with what went wrong, what can be better. And as a result of that, these people who are dedicating their lives and putting themselves at risk and, and doing this incredible work are feeling like they're just never good enough. You know, the work that they do is just not enough. And I mean, I think we all can relate to how you always want to feel like you're enough. That's a, that's a deeply rooted human issue, right? So, um, so yeah, so that sucked. And that's where I kind of was triggered to set me off on this journey to finding a solution for that problem.
0: So I'm curious about the people that you worked with and the people you had an opportunity to talk to about this. When you said that you saw a disconnect, uh, with the numbers, I'd love to dive a little bit more into that. Do you mean that that clinicians were feeling the appreciation from patients, but that just wasn't translated, you know, back organizationally?
1: Hm I'd say kind of. I'd say what it more so was was, for example, patient satisfaction scores were suffering. But as we know, Hcaps and the way patient satisfaction scores are captured are on a general basis. They have a lag. And so when leaders would come in and say, look, our scores are suffering. We need to improve here. The team members would say, well, that wasn't me. Or what are you talking about? That happened Mm -hmm. 10 weeks ago. I don't remember what actually happened and how to fix that. So there was this piece where people actually didn't feel connected to the numbers and the the information that was coming in where it wasn't actionable. And then the other piece I would say was just kind of connected to what you were saying where So much was happening that wasn't being captured in the data. So all Mm -hmm. of these incredible moments that were happening between patients and team members or team members and their colleagues, or even leaders and team members just weren't surfacing because I think the culture that we're experiencing in healthcare is always focusing on what's wrong. And again, it's important to focus on what's wrong because we need to improve. But what about those other moments that are amazing that aren't always illuminated?
0: And that, that makes complete sense. I, and I am really curious, you've had an opportunity to be around healthcare environments for much of your life, it sounds like. Is this something that you think is kind of universal, or does it happen in particular areas or particular settings more than others?
1: Yeah, so um, at first, I did not know the answer to that question. And what I've learned throughout um, the past few years is that it absolutely is universal unfortunately. You know, I think that's why the solution that I had innovated at the time ended up being so relevant outside the walls of the organization that I'd created it for. Mm. It's just, it's a problem that it doesn't see, it doesn't see the type of person that works. Like it, it's, it just supersedes all of that because it ends up coming down to Human connection being so important, and then everything in the daily life of an individual that works in healthcare being bogged down continuously. And when you're being bogged down every day, it's really hard to focus on that moment and that human connection. And that's a universal problem.
0: Interesting. And so, as you were developing a solution that would ultimately become uh, WAMBI or become part of Wombi's uh, product offerings, were you still in a patient experience role uh, at that point?
1: I was. So
0: So how did this start? What did it look like in in the beginning?
1: Yeah. So basically what had happened was at that time when I identified the pain and the problem, I went out to try to find a solution that I could bring to the leaders of my organization and say, we should implement this solution. Mm -hmm. And so I spent months researching technologies. First, I looked within healthcare, then I looked outside of healthcare when I couldn't find anything within healthcare. And basically what I was looking for in its essence was a way to capture patient and family feedback and recognition in real time tied to individuals. So not just like a general note of gratitude that gets sent to a CEO of a hospital that gets printed Mm -hmm. and who knows where that goes and whoever really gets to see it, but that feedback and recognition in real time going to individuals so that they could feel seen for the impact that they make. Mm -hmm. and I couldn't find anything, which was really shocking. I even called the technology companies that did something that was like 20% of it and said, could you build this other aspect to add on to it? And they were like, no, we can't do that. And I was very frustrated. I didn't like that answer. And so um, I ended up getting the opportunity within my organization that really supported innovation to create this for the organization. And at the time, that's all I thought it was – and that got me really excited and so um, I basically just served as a vessel within the organization to interview everyone from all across the board so from patients and families to folks on the front lines to supporting team members to um, executives administrators leaders to understand what they needed in a platform to solve these issues and also thinking about the issues from each of their perspectives because everybody feels this core issue in a different way. And um, we did our best to basically take all of that feedback in and then put it into a platform that not only served them, but also didn't interrupt their existing workflows because we know how in healthcare, workflow is everything. And if it doesn't fit into Uh, the workflow, it's not going to happen.
0: Absolutely. And so given that this is a podcast about innovation, I'm always really curious sort of about the details that go behind this. It sounds like you had a, a really incredible opportunity within the organization to do some creation internally how did you actually go about that I mean do you have a background in in technology or were you able to access internal resources what what was your what was your process once you had sort of nailed down you know the problem and and the sort of the workflow design to actually make something real
1: yeah, it's a great question. So I did not study technology. I studied neuroscience, which is not the same. <laughs> right. And um, and I think my initial instinct was to just try to connect with as many of the resources that were available as possible to bring that into the fold. And um, a very critical piece of the journey as to why we were able to be successful was interviewing many different technology groups to be able to actually build this, right, and and put it into place. And at the time, the funding that we had was not that significant in terms of what you actually need to build a robust Mm. technology platform. I mean I was just grateful for any funding but really it wasn't enough to make it you know what it needed to be to really be successful and stand on its own and in the process of doing my research for different technology groups to be able to help us to develop this I was beyond fortunate to meet um, Dave Jones who is a partner and um, co-founder of mine and um, a little bit of background about him he was the lead developer of ebay of the uk it's called qxl and when they went public he semi retired in florida and i had the opportunity to connect with him because i lived in florida at the time Mm -hmm. and when i explained the mission and vision for this platform it really resonated with him because his mom and sister are nurses and so he felt it firsthand and when i had showed him my sketches of like the ui ux i mean i I taught myself a lot of what needed to be done to at least be able to communicate the vision Mm -hmm. and um he immediately got it because like it just it sat with him and so from that point he said i want to bring this life i want to help you make it happen and i understand this is your budget but we can work beyond that if we need to to ensure that this gets done in the way it needs to so that others can see how how worth it this is to kind of invest more into so I'd say that was a really critical piece of the puzzle and since that point along the way I just became like obsessed with learning everything from design to technology to front-end and back-end development and infrastructures and just trying to learn as much as I humanly could um, given Mm. the time that I had to just be able to um, be a resource.
0: Fantastic. We are going to take a quick break right now, but I am really eager to dive deeper into the transition from internal resource to a company. Uh, so stick around. We're going to be right back with Alex Corin. We are back on Datapoint. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and our guest today is Alex Corin of Wambi. Alex, when we went into the break, we were talking about the fact that you had uh, met Dave Jones uh, who was kind of a tech guru, uh, and he really helped you build the first iteration of this platform of this product. Tell me about what that was like internally. How did people respond uh, in the organization that you were uh, that you were working in at that time to the new system? Mm-hmm. So
1: it was pretty surreal. Um, you can imagine I never anticipated this type of experience um, within the organization, and when we rolled it out, I didn't really know how people would receive it beyond the people that I had been working with to help to build it. And it was pretty awesome. So the original sort of feedback that was just more um, what people were saying, I can share a cool story of what happened. And actually, um so Rebecca Metter, who's our CEO currently and um, my co-founder, She was advising at the time on just kind of a way to implement this. Her background was in bringing new technologies to market. So she lent that strategy in terms of how you roll out a new software to... a group of people and we were there for the rollout and after we had presented it and shared the demo of how it works and answered the questions everyone went back to the nurses station in this particular group of the session and we were just waiting you know this is the first time we presented it and we were like oh my god I wonder how everyone's going to respond mm-hmm. and it was pretty amazing but what we started to hear from the team members and the managers was that people were placing bets on who is going to get the most PECs, which is our point system, because WAMBI is gamified. So people got really into it really fast, which, is, um, which was pretty cool. Um, but that was just anecdotally, and then from that point forward, once we were rolled out for a few months, we had a, a baseline survey and a post-survey after implementation for a few months for engagement. We looked at turnover, we looked at the HCAPS patient satisfaction scores, and what we saw were significant improvements in all three domains. And it was enough to get um, a lot of sort of visibility in the community outside of the organization that we were working in at the time. And we started to get um, questions and people reaching out saying, I see what you guys are doing. And this is unlike anything we've ever done. And it's really interesting and right in line with our strategic plan. How can we use this? And it was at that point where I was like, oh, God, this was not built to be... (laughs) you know, brought outside of the organization that we initially developed it in. Mm. And so um, after giving it careful consideration, we ended up breaking off as a separate technology company. We actually rebuilt the platform from the ground up to make it scalable for organizations across um, as, as many as we needed it to be and also across different service lines. So anything from inpatient, outpatient, skilled nursing, home health, home care, um, we started to take um, those voices into consideration as well. And um, to this day, it's pretty cool, but um, we've had the opportunity to work with some of the nation's most renowned and respected organizations. So, I mean, we've continued to just innovate and build with them as our partners to always address real problems and real pain. That's something mm-hmm. that we take very seriously. It's not just about creating tech for the sake of creating it, even though I have a deep love for learning about tech like that and incorporating it. And it's definitely important that it happens out there, but in healthcare, there's no time for anything that isn't exactly addressing the problem. And that's something that we just really um, prioritize.
0: So let's talk about the platform for a second, because we know that it's about recognition. We know it's about being able to capture some of those great things that are happening, you know, throughout the experience of care but how does it actually work who who has access to it and what do they you know how do they submit that recognition what does it look like you know how does it how does the recipient get it what how does it roll up tell us a little bit about the the functionality
1: yeah so there are three major portals within wambi the first is the patient and family facing portal the second is the team member portal and the third is the leadership portal And leadership covers all aspects from managers to directors to executives of particular facilities to an executive over an entire network. And each of their views differs depending on their role. And so with the patient and family facing side, um, this is a a critical component because it's served up to them in in many different ways, ways that we've learned over the course of the past few years that the best ways to get in front of them, where it's easy for them and it doesn't, um, you know, interrupt their experience. What we learned through that is that it gives patients and families a way to share their feedback on the individuals who care for them. And Mm -hmm. when they're sharing that feedback on the individual, it makes it that much more meaningful for them. Because they don't feel like they're just sharing something that's kind of going out there and who knows who's going to see it and and how it's going to make a difference. But when it's tied to an individual, it actually reminds them of, oh, my God, I remember the story of this person who really helped me that I want to share. And Mm -hmm. we use photos. And that's a really important way to help people identify those folks. Sometimes they remember the name. They don't remember or they remember their face. They don't remember the name. They see their face. They get excited. They want to share more. So um, that's the first piece. And, um, and it's also it's a safe place. So it is anonymous unless they choose to self identify. And that was also a very important part of the process through the discovery early on, um, Mm. that patients and families felt was important for them to feel safe sharing their voice in real time. So um, that's one piece. The second piece for team members is they receive this recognition and, and feedback in real time in a gamified platform that's individualized to them. So um, what's really cool about that is, as I had shared before and, and sort of early on in this journey where they felt like their impact individually wasn't seen and they felt sort of disconnected from the figures, now the figures are down to the individual level. And the gratitude and the love that's outpouring from patients and families that Otherwise, it doesn't really get captured because, you know, if there's crazy times. You're going through so much while you're in the hospital. And unless you're really served up with an easy way to communicate that gratitude, it doesn't happen. And right. we hear stories about night shift nurses that get gratitude, so much gratitude for the first time ever. And managers are like, wow, I didn't <laughs> even know this person was great. And now I'm seeing that for the first time. Wow. So that's great and the other piece of the team member dashboard is they're able to recognize their peers um, recognize their managers or the leaders um, provide gratitude throughout the entire system and that's a special way to help people stay connected and engage with what's trending and just um, engage also with the values of the organization we do a, a really specific job of configuring the platform to be as sort of representative of what that system represents. So we know that every health system is different and we respect that and we want that to be incorporated and celebrated. So um, we tie all of the recognition to the values of the organization and mm-hmm. other things of that nature. And then finally, from a sort of leadership perspective, it's like the perch, right? They have that overarching perspective of everything that's going on within the organization. So if we're talking about a network implementation, they can see everything facility over facility, um, service line over service line, you know, whatever the case may be down to the unit level of how um, people are performing and and how they're doing and the gratitude and recognition that they're receiving and um, identifying specific trends over time that are critical into helping with targeted learning um, and education. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty that's, much it at a high level.
0: No, that's great. I'm I'm curious have you seen any of the organizations that your platform is a part of do interesting things to take that aggregated feedback or even the individual feedback and build it into more formal business intelligence tracking you know are they doing interesting things to correlate WAMBI data with their hcaps or are they building it into uh, performance management processes i'm just curious about yes. some of the interesting things you've seen
1: you are spot on and i'm so glad you brought that up because it is a really interesting project one in particular that i want to share that we're working on now so the chief information medical officer at one of our um, implementations for um, an implementation that we've done, actually, it, I think we deployed about a year ago, I would say he came to us and said that he believes that the, the WAMBI um, data that's coming through the platform is predictive of the HCAPs. Okay. And so from that, What we started is to do a a grand analysis of all of the data that's coming in and overlay it on top of their age cap scores to start to identify whether or not that really is the case in a significant fashion. And Mm -hmm. um, we're building that model to then kind of put across all of our existing clients to, to really validate that. So that's something that we're very excited about because that could be huge. And that's just one instance of inspiration that's coming out of the data that we're collecting because... It is really unique data and we are getting a lot of it. Like I can't even tell you how much is coming through and it's at time of care and it's individualized and it's special. And um, something we're also looking into now is natural language processing on the Mm. the qualitative feedback that comes in and identifying trends there. We have an overwhelming um, amount of free text comments that come in in addition to the more targeted questions that we serve up. And mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of opportunity there on the innovation and data side as well with our clients.
0: That is really fascinating. It's, it's interesting to see you've got a product that serves a very specific function in terms of providing real-time feedback, but there is so much exhaust uh, that you can work with. I mean, it's almost limitless possibilities as to where you could take the, the platform and the company. It's got to be very exciting. Yeah,
1: that's, it's something I I have trouble sleeping at night because I'm so excited for the 20 different directions we can go in. And a part of my role is prioritizing those because they're right. all so cool and relevant and important. Um, so yeah, I, I'm That's, right there with you. So
0: I, I am curious, Alex, we obviously are living in a time that none of us anticipated really six months ago. Uh, in terms of the coronavirus and, you know, certain parts of the country are being hit so hard and it's having such an impact on our healthcare professionals. And I'm curious whether you've seen any changes in the patterns of how Wombi is being used or the type of feedback that's being provided. Uh, what, what are you seeing from the front lines
1: yeah. So it's interesting. Um, David Shulkin, who uh, he was the secretary of the VA um, in the yeah. previous administration. Yeah. So he actually wrote a paper about this um, in looking at the differences, exactly how you just asked that question. And specifically what we noticed through Wombi is that those comments and notes of gratitude that we typically received and we used to already receive an overwhelming amount has increased significantly. Hmm. So it's, it's patients and families are wanting to share those stories that are truly making such a difference at a time. As I shared, it's, it's such a vulnerable time, especially even now it's that much scarier because being in a hospital, you just, you don't even know how to like handle it. Right. I mean, you either have, it's people coming in who are completely covered and geared up and you can't even see their face. I mean, like imagine that the lack of that humanity, but at the same token, it's so critical that it functions the way that it does. And so, I mean, I'd say that there's a huge impact on the patient experience side and on the employee experience side. And in the work that we do in order to achieve our mission, we focus on three major pillars. The first is improving employee experience. Mm -hmm. The second is supporting an improved patient experience. And the third is reducing burnout and supporting resiliency. And it's always been important, but now it couldn't be more important. And I think that's something that we're feeling from our clients that we work with day in and day out, that they're just, for the ones that we work with, they're so grateful to be able to have us, to be able to help in the ways that we can. And we're so grateful to be able to be in a position where we can help. And for some of the organizations that we have yet to work with, that we were kind of exploring what that would look like, it's just made it that much more relevant for them as well because it becomes top of mind when your folks are just beyond burned out and stressed and scared to come to work every day. You know, if you can't control PPE, what can you control? And and right. I think that's something that we're all having to take a hard look at and and do whatever we can to support them in a way that's meaningful to them.
0: I am guessing that the institutions that have implemented Wambi are feeling very glad that they did right now because my yeah. goodness. Uh, our healthcare professionals are really up against it. And uh, being able to have that kind of feedback, that kind of battery charging feedback uh, has got to make a huge difference.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, one of our clients that we were speaking with recently was talking about how like crises, like crises in general in healthcare are, you know, they're used to it. I mean, this is obviously yep. a whole other level but being able to implement and also be sustainable and thrive in that type of environment is so critical for technology because, you know, you have to look at the the current technologies that you've implemented. And if they're not thriving in this type of environment, that's also saying something because we have to be designed to be able to survive in an environment like this sure. and continue to pivot as we need to in order to um, have the biggest impact.
0: As we're closing out here, Alex, I-, I wanted to just hit on one last thing, and that is what kind of organization should be talking to Wambi about bringing the platform into their uh, organization? Is it for major health systems, academic medical centers, community hospitals, physician practices? Who who? What's the what's the ideal organization uh, in terms of being the right fit?
1: Yeah, so I would say um the health systems that have tons of locations that are completely spread out and disparate, and feel like they're lacking that sort of connectivity and and wanting to improve the culture and and again, reduce that burnout and support resiliency, especially during these times. Those are the organizations because what we have a special ability of doing is uniting, despite Mm -hmm. the fact of how far apart you can be and how tough these times can be and helping everyone to feel connected, to feel inspired, to feel appreciated, and um, to support them in ways that they need to be supported in order to be able to do their job.
0: It, it totally makes sense. Are there organizations that are too small?
1: Mm, I mean, no, I would say we don't typically deploy in like a, an office unless it's like mm-hmm. a group, you know, like a, it spans beyond just one office. Mm-hmm. But um you know, we'll always take a look at it, especially now, you know, we want to help in any way that we can. So sure. even though we typically do deploy on larger scales of thousands and thousands of people per client, we're absolutely um, here to talk and figure something out that would work well for each organization.
0: That sounds great. And for organizations that are interested in learning more about Wambi or exploring whether it might be right for their organization, what's the best way for them to figure that out?
1: Yeah. So they can go to our website, wombi.org, okay. and then they can request a demo or just reach out and we'll provide all the information that they need.
0: That sounds great. We're going to have the links in our show notes. So if you're writing in your car or driving your car right now, don't feel like you have to write that down. It's all going to be there. Um, Alex, this has been wonderful. I just, I want you to know, I really appreciate the work that you're doing to take care of our healthcare professionals and to, help patients to be able to uh, feel that deeper connection with the people that are providing their care. I I just, I think it's really exciting and so important at a time like this.
1: Hmm. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. All right. For our listeners, we will see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Data Point Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please do rate, review, and share it with your social network. It means a lot. If you have ideas for show topics or guests, please email them to me at greg at healthquant.health or send a direct message to at Chimose on Twitter. That's C-H-I-M-O-O-S-E on Twitter. For more information about this show or any of the terrific healthcare podcasts in the Touchpoint Media Network, check them out at touchpoint.health. See you next time.